Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the 909 Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be looking back at Electric Picnic 2019 and uh, discussing what happened in Strand Valley this weekend, uh, just gone, and we'll also be talking uh, about our album of the week from uh, Lana Del Rey, it is Norman fucking Rockwell. Uh, I'm Nile Nine, and I'm joined by uh, two people today. We've got Andrea Cleary, as Hello. ever. Hi. And we've got Kelly Doherty. Hello. Hello, how are you? What's the crack? Good. Mots, mots, Yeah, so uh, Kelly, we've been talking a lot about this uh, Lana Del Rey album, which we'll talk about later, so you have a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited to share all okay, of them. Okay, good. Well, that's later on in the show, uh, but first we're going to talk about uh, Electric Picnic. Uh, myself and Kelly were there this weekend, because it's gone. Andrea? I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea? What would you like to know about Electric Picnic? I'd like to know... Um, that you didn't see already. I would like to know who your favourite act was, who your least favourite act that you saw was, and what the general crowd vibe situation was like. Okay, I guess it's been, what, 14, 15 years now that Electric Picnic has been going in Strad Valley? Mm. And it has become the biggest festival in Ireland. And uh, as part of it being the biggest festival in Ireland, it is now... The one that everybody knows and everyone goes to from all ages, from um, young kids and families to the dads who go to one festival a year. That's what I felt. I felt like there was a lot of dads there yeah. this year. Like they actually had an area this year called uh, Who Let the Dads Out, <laughs> which was, you know, their wacky trailer park area. But, it's like uh, Kasabian and <laughs> Oasis. Oasis. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like actually the right place for a lot of those people to be. <laughs> Are like, you sure that wasn't just Razor Light on the main yeah. stage? On the well, we can get to that. Um, yeah, uh, so I don't know. At this point now, Electric Picnic has kind of lost its magic for me. I've been there every year since the second year. So um, it is what it is. I maybe have, I felt like I, I've said this before. I feel like I close my eyes and just wander around the site and I'd still know exactly where I was going. Although a few things had changed this year. The main thing was that out in the former Oscar Wilde campsite, there was a new area called Freetown, which was uh, basically uh, housed an 8,000 capacity dance arena. That was only used in the evening, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah for about four or five acts per day. 
Um, but generally speaking, to get the bat out of the way first, it was incredibly busy in the main arena still and way too busy for me to enjoy it at a part. I think it just felt like it was still too many people, too much going on, um, too much, even though they try to address the sound bleed by putting up uh, wooden fences around certain um, tents and stuff. There's that thoroughfare where Casa Bacardi is and where like the Today FM section is and all the food trucks. There's just so much noise coming out from everywhere that it's actually overwhelming, <laughs> to mm. be honest, still. So I, I, I feel like Melvin Ben announced on Sunday, the uh, festival Republic director, announced that uh, they're going to add at least 5,000 people, maybe 10,000 next year. So in order to do that, I can't imagine how that site is going to cope mm. with uh, the sheer number of people who will be attracted to the main stage acts. So, Kelly, you were there on Friday. You yeah. saw Billie Eilish. Apparently, mm. Billie Eilish had 57,000 people there. Yeah. Um, the capacity of the festival was 60,000. So That's nuts, isn't it? If you yeah, gather that, there's probably another 20,000 people there in terms of bands, artists, vendors, performers, all that kind of stuff. Mm. A good chunk of those who were there on Friday, I wasn't there on the Friday, uh, actually went to see Billie Eilish. So, um mm. And I heard a lot of reports that like it was very busy and uncomfortably so to leave that area. And that's the main arena. And that yeah. should not be the case at this point. And I felt like that was a few times over the weekend where you were near the main arena because there's still so much stuff around there. You still have to go there. Um, that it just felt uncomfortably busy. Okay. And it's not a relaxing place to be. Like I found myself in the last couple of years looking for places to go just to like sit down for five minutes or just to get away from some noise. Yeah. And that's, an, I just feel like they need to expand that main arena, take out some of that stuff that's already there, move it further out, spread things out more. They need to spread things out yeah. more. That's how I feel now. Kelly, how many times have you been to the electric picnic? Um, I think I've been five times. I think, yeah, bar last year, each year in a row I went. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of, I super agree with you on it. Kind of like every time you went near the main stage, it kind of felt like you were stepping into a war zone. Um, whether you intended to be at the main stage or not. I was lucky enough with like Billie Eilish and I'd say with the 1975 as well that I was close enough to the front that I, it wasn't too, I was like close enough to the music that that was like taking my concentration yeah. so I didn't mind it too much but leaving it was just absolute hell. Like I was starting to get like super claustrophobic and I'm fine with crowds like but yeah. I was starting to get super claustrophobic leaving Billie Eilish because it felt like I'd been walking for like 20 minutes. We'd all lost each other because there was no way of holding on to each other yeah. and you were still just not seeing an end to just packed crowd. Um, so, you know, that's not great. And it was the same even when uh, Jess Flint, uh, Jess Flint, Jess Glim was playing um, and I was just coming from the poetry tent. I was just trying to get somewhere else uh, and we just got caught in like masses of people running towards us. Yeah. And like we weren't intentionally there. Like that shouldn't be happening in the main arena. Yeah. yeah. Like I spent a fair bit of time in the minefield this uh, weekend past because I was there DJing at the banquet, the charity do uh, twice a day. And that it was quite an oasis of calm actually because mm -hmm. it was like a sit down nice meal for charity um but the whole time i was there you could still feel the bass rumbles from all of the tents mm -hmm. and in my head there's no reason for a minefield which houses uh mostly spoken word stages to be right behind the main stage yeah and 100 yeah. it just doesn't make any sense anymore like it's like why is that there it could be in its own calmer area way further out uh in the arena somewhere so I don't know. That's one of the things I felt. I was like, if they are going to do this next year, they really need to address that. Mm. Uh, I think the thing about Electric Picnic, though, it always gets those acts that 
maybe you wouldn't get anywhere else to. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about Charlie XCX for as an example, who's only. I ever... heard she was she was one of the ones that I heard being reported as was a great. Yeah, and yeah. people were trying to get in, and you know, it was there was too many people. She was fantastic. To see she her. was really good. Yeah, and, but it was also the novelty for me of never having seen her in that yeah. way. <coughs> she actually played a gig for 99 in 2012 <laughs> in, in London. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very small. Uh, when just before it was when Nuclear Seasons came out in the Camden Crawl. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I had a lineup. I, I've said this before, probably. So <laughs> if anyone's heard me, I'm sorry. Um, disclosure: Charlie XCX, a band called Symbols, who are kind of still around, and then a guy called Willie Moon, who went on to be. Uh, and an Australian pop idol uh, <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> unbelievable yeah so uh, we were a bit ahead of the curve there <laughs> there wasn't that many people at either of those gigs but uh, we I knew there was something special going on but she was great she was a brilliant uh, performer it was great atmosphere in there she did like the songs that she had written as well so like Fancy mm. with, with Iggy Azalea and uh, the Icona Pop song I love it which I was not expecting because mm-hmm. um, did she play the the Spice Girls one yeah, the worst song I, of the I year. actually <laughs> couldn't stay for that because of my aforementioned DJ engagement. So <laughs> I couldn't stay for it. <laughs> actually, I did. I went to see uh, Christine the Queens very briefly, who suffered probably over the weekend. Massively, yeah. She they put her on earlier than she was intended to uh, announced, and then so there was kind of an overlap. But uh, the one nice thing is that Charlie XCX and Christine got up together <laughs> and did Gone, um, which was great. Um, really nice to see that. Uh, but she definitely suffered on the main stage, Christine. It felt like a bit of an anticlimax after mm. so many times I've been like looking forward to seeing her again. I wouldn't put her on, a main, on the main stage. I mean, she no, had, no she had a big was, show for it. Tent, like. There was lots of pyros and lots of dancing and yeah. stuff. And it just, but it, I don't know, it just didn't really feel like the right. I was like expecting it to be a weekend highlight. And I was just like, oh. I think they should have been swapped. I just yeah. think it would have made way more sense. There was way more people at that festival there for specifically for Charlie XCX, whereas Chrissy and the Queens. There just wasn't that much hype about seeing her. And I feel like Charlie XCX does have that like major mainstream crossover audience yeah. with a lot of the younger people who'd have been at the festival, whereas Chrissy and the Queens would have, I think they would find her boring, yeah. to be honest. Like, I love her, but I think they would have found it boring. So I think if they'd had a swap there, maybe she would have benefited a bit more. I think that gets to the wider point about the picnic lineup um, and the way it's gone, you know, and in general, the way most festivals have gone, like long or two, the way it started as an Indian rock festival and gone to a pop or more like a rap festival. And there's definitely more of a pop element happening at EP, which Mm. makes sense because it's attracting a festival that sells out in advance um, without any lineup being announced is can do what it wants in terms of lineup. So and I think the makeup of the crowd at this point, even though there's plenty of opportunity to see something really interesting and unique and all sorts of variations like the likes of Mitski and stuff like that, um, you and obviously the Rave in the Woods and all that kind of things that it's become known for, there's still a lot more uh, people-pleasing that's being done on the main stages. like, Or even the tents. Like I saw Alma, who was great, um, the Scandinavian pop artist, and like loads of people at that. Can you tell me about the 1975? Uh, I, I don't know if I can. I'm sitting beside two fans. <laughs> Did you not uh, enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed the production. Mm. Production's great. I just don't get the songs. I, I have I have it from a reliable source that um it's kind of like what I was saying about Father John Misty a few weeks ago that like the fest the festival show was good but it wasn't yeah you know I could tell that it wasn't the full be. show it didn't yeah. have the mm-hmm. the full Talking Heads rip off stuff and yeah yeah you know, all that kind of thing but um I think uh, for Talking me, Heads inspired <laughs> yes like, sorry, I, I, I mean that I mean I that think, I think it's a rip off if you don't know you're doing it <laughs> yeah, um. um 
But I think, yeah, just for me, I just find the songs, a lot of their hits are just not much further away from uh, a big pop act that I just couldn't be interested in, be arsed interested in or anything okay. like that. Like some of the, like some of the, the melodies and stuff is just not for me at all. That's Some of fair. the music isn't for me. They open with people. Of course the they song did. we, we, we uh, Was it great? featured last week. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. How yeah. did you find it? Um, I had the absolute hoot of my life. Oh, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's my seventh time seeing them. Um, so uh, I really, really enjoyed it. But I just, like, I love their music so much. Mm. Uh, and, like, in such an unabashed, I don't even know how critical I actually am when it comes to their music. Because, like, sure. they played somebody else. I was crying. Like, yeah. you know, I was just living every single minute of it. But I thought, I thought it was good. I caught them in the three arena. Um, was it earlier this year? In January. Um, yeah. And it was it was much more scaled back than that. Mm. Um, they at one point, unfortunately, they I feel like they really lost the crowd though with the the Greta speech. Heard and about that? Yeah. It's disappointing because obviously I think that's a really cool use of their platform, and it's but it's upsetting that like literally no one cared. Everyone around yeah. me just started like talking, and there was like lads behind me booing and stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, this is disappointing, but. It's also a festival set, so I'm not too surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe that speaks to, um, you know, how they see themselves as opposed to anything else. Is like, here's an important message that we should put on the stage. Yeah. And mm-hmm. give the time um, to breed. Um, I actually wasn't that bad around where I was when that was on. Um, people were kind of mostly paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a it is a brave thing to do to like basically put a recorded speech. And I think so. Definitely. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even if like, if it got a bad reaction, that's still sort of holding a mirror, you know, and kind of saying, well, I mean, are you, you're not really going to be turning around and talking shit about this to your mates in 20 years time now, are you? You know, yeah. like it's, um, the world is ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Speaking of the main stage stuff, I, before we move on, I guess, uh, I really enjoyed the strokes, even though it was like an absolute spectacle. <laughs> Um, I heard young Julian was a bit rude. <laughs> uh, he was all sorts. He was he was um, couldn't tell if he wanted to be there or or not. Yeah. And but I think he didn't. The way he kept going on about it, he would say things like, "I don't care, play the next song," or like. Well, and but the band know. were kind of looking to him to like, like they gave him that time where they could have just played the next song and he would have been he would have shut up and like, mm, yeah. and a couple of points he he walked away at one point and just like everyone was like, "Where is he gone?" And then he turned to. Um, Aaron Hammond Jr. at one point and was like, um, you're not going to recite that poetry you wrote. Yeah. And it was just this uncomfortable, he was holding the mic to his face and it was like, and then Benji Albert was just like, I don't write poetry. <laughs> and it was just like really awkward. So mean. There's loads of awkwardness on stage and he was like, if I had to fuck a guy, it would be fab. Uh, like, you know, he's a good looking man for yeah, sure. But yeah. like, it was like, just this, all this awkwardness and all the band were kind of like, can we play? Can we, we play like, What's going on here? <laughs> so much so to the point that I, like when they got towards the end of the set and it was like the encore and I was like, I'm not sure if they're going to come out for this. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a lot of wine involved. Apparently they were they were given a, a very nice dinner in the banquet place actually where I did. Did you see them? No, but I heard they were coming in. Oh. So I'd say they had a lot like, of wine. Yeah. <laughs> there was that vibe of it was like, yeah, giddy, but like troublesome and yeah. like yeah. trying to be mischievous um, and pretty much succeeding. But when they actually played the songs, uh, other than the fact that he forgot the words to uh, Someday, which is, you <laughs> oh, know, dear. pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I was like, I'm mm. so on board for this. I just didn't think, I didn't expect that much from a stroke show. Mm-hmm. And to get it and to ha- them to be so good 
was just really good. It was just unexpected for me. So I really enjoyed it a lot. For me, even though the lineup wasn't, or even the lineup was brilliant this year, I had like, I had no interest in going to EP just because of like crowd sizes and, and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not able for it. But I, I was thinking a lot about how you kind of have the 1975 and then the Strokes as this like double act main stage on the Saturday night. I was thinking a lot about how that kind of, I don't know, points to an evolution in our like indie pop boys. Mm-hmm. And when, when you look at Julian Casablancas as this like legacy rock star, and then you look at, I, I guess like the next it next pop iteration of that sort of character yeah with like in, in Matty Healy it's funny to to think about how it's now cool to be socially conscious in this sort of endearingly um like naive way where I was I was talking to a friend about it during the week and I was saying that it's almost like when you're a kid and you find out about injustice for the first time and you're like, well, we have to do something about it. We have to, <laughs> we have to start a petition. It's I, I'm sort of getting that vibe from my Healy. And it's, it's nice that their fans, that the 1975 fans are like this young generation yeah, who are definitely. incredibly, you know, environmentally and socially conscious. And it's just, yeah, it's so funny to have that. And then right after the strokes where it's just this completely different, thing that you're looking at it's yeah. this cool it definitely guy felt, it felt like a vintage rock and roll show yeah like, it's it's a different sense. kind of cool like, that isn't really cool anymore yeah, it's, the it's cool to care it's now like, yeah. it's not cool to not care anymore Do you it's know? funny though because the that description reminded me so much of the first time that i saw the 1975 in cork i saw them they played the savoy for like a freshers week thing and matt healy did all of the same crack yeah. he was like yeah falling around the place it was bottle of wine shouting horrible things yeah. and just being like a prick for the whole thing it was like the exact same type of description yeah. but now he's woke and now uh, he's woke yeah. yeah and he's clean now and yeah, he's sort that's of fair. like there's all sort himself out yeah are we saying the 2019 won't allow somebody to be uh unwoke these not, days not that it won't allow it's just it's just not it's just not as cool anymore yeah it's it's just it looks i think people get embarrassed by it that mm. type of behavior now when they look at it they're kind of like that's a bit well certainly lame. the rest of the band in the strokes looked a bit embarrassed by yeah. It. yeah they were like we're just playing the tunes and we're doing a really good job and yeah what are you doing messing it up yeah kind of looks um um, but yeah, what about the main stage uh, for Billy Irish on Friday? Um, you were there. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. I was just surrounded by people just crying their eyes out. <laughs> um, it was it was crazy as well because it was just an experience I never really thought I'd have at Electric Picnic. Like it, it kind of reminded me of like a three arena type gig where you've got to see like some major pop sensation at their own concert and all right. their like stands are there or something. That's why it kind of felt like I didn't expect to ever see like five rows of people bawling their eyes out at Electric Picnic yeah. it, and it was just it was like a proper frenzy of people like breaking down because she'd like run past them yeah. and the whole front rows were like people who looked like her everyone had their hair dyed the same colour as her yeah. and all the merch and I was like this is so different to anything I've seen at Electric Picnic before just and anywhere where you're, like, like, where you're around like a load of like young girls and young women just looking at their absolute absolute yeah. such a lovely place it's, it was be, such a like, lovely like feeling and everything and the, the crowd was lovely as well like I barely when it was said to me that I was so big I thought that because of walking out at the end but in terms of like crowd behavior during it everyone was like impeccable there was no shoving nothing bad there was like small children in front of me like it was just yeah it was a really nice crowd and she commands it so well as well you would not think she's a kid like such a baby yeah 
she's just a little baby like it's crazy it's <laughs> yeah. mad well she's she's clearly out for it so. yeah so able she yeah. is yeah um, yeah so beyond the main stages then we had uh, I got to see a bit of Mitski I yeah she did some Pilates on a table mm-hmm. yeah she's doing all sorts yeah um it was it was an intense thing to do on a Sunday evening, but I kind of <laughs> get it. I get where you were, like you were talking about it before her show. Um, in Did it bring you around to her music a bit uh, more? A little bit, but I still wouldn't be mad on it. But I really enjoyed the performance mm-hmm. and it, like that level of intensity was like something. I think it was only just not matched by her band probably, okay. yeah. and she seemed to be struggling a little bit with her band. She kind of. Be, the gestures she was doing before and during seemed like she was giving out to somebody okay. at the keyboardist mainly. I don't know why. Um, but there was a bit of like, I don't know, behavior there that I wasn't sure of. But, okay. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting presentation. And I guess the thing for me, I guess, if you think about it in terms of presenting something like a a, a guitar-led show in that fashion, like you've seen David Byrne do it in the three arena and he really goes in for it, like sitting down at the table or like choreographing things. And there was elements of that in her show, but what was missing, and this is a festival show, so it's maybe not going to be the same and not going to have that opportunity, but the band were just there. Yeah. Right. And it, it kind of felt like, no, there could have been something else there, the way that St. Vincent does it. Yeah. And the way she presents that show is like, and I kind of see feel like, Mitski is could be on that level in a few years. I, I fully mm-hmm. agree. That's where she might be yeah, heading. Um, I think so. And I think that's an interesting thing to note. Mm. Um, other than that, uh, I didn't get to see Fortet, but I heard a lot of <laughs> love chatter about it. Yeah. Um, I, I read an interesting review. I think that it. review was taken down, so I never got oh, to see it. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> it never mind a then. Hot press oh. review that was uh, a lot of people were talking about this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fortet has a thing in the last while of not putting on the lights for his shows. Mm and uh, building up the atmosphere and the beats. Um, I couldn't stay for that. Uh, I just, I was on my own. I wasn't in the mood for it, but I did go in for a little bit and I was like, I know where he's going with this, but if I had been with a lot of people, it would have been maybe very enjoyable. If I was um, a betting man, I'd bet that this is going to drop at some stage. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you wouldn't put it past them, actually, yeah. Yeah. Forte, to be like, I'm going to do an hour and a half of ambient music and half then, 11 <laughs> on a Saturday night in the second tent. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't actually put that past them, yeah. but... Uh, and then separate to that, I saw a lot of good Irish stuff actually this year. Um, I saw Nilo. You were at Nilo, yeah, it was you? fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Salty Dog show, really, really um competent and very confident mm. show. You had Genova from uh, New Sense on stage with him, and Senu uh, doing the DJ role. Uh, really good. Really enjoyed that. Uh, saw the likes of Just Mustard, but Just Mustard as well, who mm. I think are fantastic. Um. So Mango and Matman shut mm. it down at the Body and Soul main stage late at night um, on the Saturday as well. Um, I was mostly working for the weekend and then I was there with Laboom. Did you see any famous lovely, people in your banquet? Um, any celebs? Does James Cavanagh count? Yes, <laughs> probably does. definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, there was a lot of people there. Melvin Ben was there, there on the go. Sunday night. Um, Kelly, what were your highlights of the festival and Billy Lodge? Um, other than Billy Eilish, I think Pow Pig um, kind of brought me back to life on Sunday. Um, I would have liked to have seen them in a more central part of the Where festival, I think. Saturday, they were in the three Made by Music stage and it just felt a little bit far out at that point of the day. People weren't really wandering down um, that way. That replaced the other voices stage. From yeah, yeah. I, I really liked them. I thought they were great. Um, AMAC was really yeah, impressive uh, at the body and soul stage. I I could 100% imagine her on like a main stage. Um, it was a really fantastic. Kind of similar buzz actually to Mitski. Um, 
but slightly less intense and more like fun okay. mm-hmm. um but it was yeah it was really good um i think yeah they were kind of two of the big ones and obviously the 1975 really liked florence like i've i've seen that show multiple times now and still there's kind of like this fun wide-eyed like putting my suspense at the door like if any other artist told me to put my phone away I'd be like shut up okay. when, when Florence does it I'm like yes I yes must, I must follow her yes 100% <laughs> yes mother um, yeah and Nilo again was was yeah. wonderful yeah I heard James Blake didn't have a lot of people at his uh, tent on, no. on Friday night no and it wasn't a good it wasn't a good buzz um, I the I don't know. Like I'm a big James Blake fan, but it just wasn't working at all. He needs all. to stop doing festival shows. Yeah, I think like live shows generally don't seem to mix with him that well. And yeah. like I'm very, I, I don't really have that much interest in seeing him live. Love his his music. I love his albums, but hmm. just from what I've heard, it, yeah, it I just think he, need, well. he needs to do it in a proper theater for a tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has not done that here mm. since he did his first show in Wheelands. Yeah, on the just did he not play the Olympia? Day. Yeah, maybe I was not that one actually, but I yeah, but maybe that works better. I, I don't think it did. No, I was, thing. I was yeah. really, I was really disappointed because he was going to be like he was one of my acts I was looking for, and then I got in there, I was like, this is actually quite boring okay and uh, you can't even sing along with it or anything because people other yeah. people were bored as well so everyone was just awkward mm. um everyone yeah. was just awkward yeah it was thanks james <laughs> yeah. uh, who else did i see uh, i saw a bit of uh yuli uh, really good kind of sh- uh, very i mean slightly different to his uh, regular show which is more like uh psychedelic indie r&b jazz but vibes it was pure about jazz vibes that i saw towards the end um saw several backs once again and actually they'll be playing our a gig of ours on the 20th of September in the Workman's, which we'll be announcing on Monday. So look out for details of that. Um, I'm, I, You know, it's like you see so much and you're like, I'm, I'm actually looking through here to see what I actually did see. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Eve's Tumor um, caught his set. Very weird. Uh, on Sunday night. <laughs> it was like he's on warp and it was just him on a table uh, riding around, really. And I think don't even know if he was singing, really, but um, it was enjoyable. All the same. Oh, I saw Parquet Courts. That oh, was, uh, cool. Uh, that, that song, I basically was there just for one song, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, Wide Awake, which was fantastic. And uh, I caught a bit of um, The Streets, but I was already... Totally my he- forgot they were playing. My head was already out of the festival. I was driving home and uh, I he was doing a lot of crowd banter that I didn't have time for you didn't have your bucket hat <laughs> he was talking you. a lot about champagne but he was kind of like just kept talking about like the, to the crowd and he was like he was asking questions to the front row and you're like just fucking rap just yeah. stop this madness <laughs> it, but you know it <laughs> yeah like he, he started with like turn the page and i was like great this is gonna be good and then it just kind of like derailed slightly and i was like i don't have the patience for the rest of the show mm. so uh okay yeah. But look, that's the thing. I mean, like, the picnic is the massive um, festival event of the year in Ireland, and it's got not going anywhere anytime soon. So mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. I think if you want to go to see some of those acts, you will. You can have a good time, but there are certainly a lot of things I'd like to see change sure. there. Um, Would uh, last question on the on the picnic? Were all of the stages horizontal? Oh um, yes, they were. Oh, that's well, the salty dog isn't isn't that's that's <laughs> okay. slanty. It's sl- yeah, <laughs> slanty. yeah, true. That's a slanty one. Yeah. Um, why would you bring it up? I asked because there, um, Samsung um, has teamed up with Mabel uh, for the world's first vertical gig, oh. which is a thing that we should care about. <laughs> um, it is 
live music for the Instagram generation, I guess. And it's, you know, just a three story vertical concert. And you okay, can so I saw the picture of this, pictures right? Pictures easily at it. Yeah, guess. so it fits in for your like uh, landscape uh, portrait? portrait. 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 Yeah. I always get those two from pics. I was like, landscape is landscape. No, yeah. portrait. Is like, <laughs> um, it's the way you can fit um, your uh, Instagram story. So you can fit the whole stage on your Instagram story. Finally. Yeah. You know. But um, I saw the picture of it, and I was looking at it, going, it looks grim. It doesn't make any sense because, first of all. If like the drum, the DJ was on the bottom and yeah. on on their own, and Mabel was in the middle, and then the band were up the top. So yeah. the the first two stories, like nobody, they have nobody to divide off on stage at no. all. So I just felt it was a bit weird. And also, like, like that's going to work well if you're right in front of the stage, yeah. if you're at the side of the stage. It just seems like a really flawed logic, because yeah. if you're literally not the person who's standing in the middle of the front row, it will not fit your camera. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And you also have to have your camera, like a very specific site. Like, have they forgot that cameras are adjustable? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's... I did see a picture from that same gig where some guy was holding it up. Uh, landscape. Like landscape. <laughs> someone didn't get the memo. Someone didn't get the memo. I would purposely take all of my. I hope there was somebody there with an iPad. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. People with iPads at gigs are just that, that needs to end. That only ever really happens. That I, I only ever really see it at festivals because I feel like if you if I saw it like in the Olympia, I would smash it off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, you idiot. Sure. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that is a marketing exercise that worked out for samsung got loads of press so hey yeah. we we're talking about it sponsor us um, you cowards but other than that like i think it's time we're moving into autumn now we're gonna uh, you know things can be not always the brightest after you finish the summer festivals you're not a you're a fan of of autumn andrea who me <laughs> who you who me yeah. um i love autumn i was walking to work today and there was some dead leaves on the ground i was like you're ready for Give this. Give it to me. Yeah, I absolutely love autumn. Uh, Halloween's my favorite holiday of the year. It just all the vibes. I love jumpers. It's all, it's all a good time for me. So um, my I think my like main reason for being at all in a good mood <laughs> this week is just <laughs> the jet, the the creeping coldness, spooky vibes. And darkness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've started my autumn playlist. It's very sad. You're you're right in there. I'm so in there. I so started, is that is that your reason to be cheerful? Yes, my reason to be cheerful is that today I went outside and it was cold enough to wear a jumper, but it was still kind of bright. <laughs> that was nice i enjoyed that and i was listening to wilco you're going i'm going hard on autumn this year that's my you, got, you got your hot water bottle out ready, ready not just yeah it, it is out it has been unpacked and i packed away my uh summer clothes um the other day um i don't really have summer clothes <laughs> wear jumpers but um yeah pack them away got the jumpers out i'm ready bring it okay very good thank you kelly do you have a reason to be cheerful um, I think pop music in general at the moment, I think like between the Taylor Swift album, uh, the Lana album, the fact that Charlie XCX has an album coming out soon. I'm just so full of like pop joy at the moment. I feel like it's the wrong time because we're going into autumn. This should have been happening during the summer, but I'm kind of happy that trap is quietening down a little bit in the charts. <laughs> and now we're kind of getting back to some of the strong, powerful women making pop music and very and, good yeah speaking of strong powerful women uh one of my reasons to be cheerful this year is uh or this 
this year and this week in general is FKA Twigs coming back with a new album yes. called Magdalene, produced by Nicholas Jarr. Um, she did a long interview with ID Magazine this week. And uh, so the album is coming out before the end of the year. Uh, and she was talking to ID about it, just saying, remember we talked about that Spike Jones ad that she did for um, the Apple yeah. HomePod thing, uh, which was just amazing. It turns out she had only just gone, uh, underwent a major surgery to remove tumors from her uterus like a few weeks before so she still had um showing the scars or actually the staples from her uh, surgery so her, all of that movement that she came up with was done because she couldn't do anything else so that, i thought that was interesting um, i'm really looking forward to hearing that album and what it's gonna be like um uh, she said it's about every lover that i've ever had and every lover that i'm going to have uh, just when you think it's uh, really fragile and about to fall apart, there's an absolute defiance and strength in the way that my works never had before. And uh, in the ID thing, one, another thing that um, is uh, interesting in it, that it says one of the songs sounds like uh, Opus Trees, uh, 1992 song, It's a Fine Day. Does anyone remember that song? No. It's going to be a fine day today. It was a really no. bad song. <laughs> but it actually kind of like, it's proto-grimes, which makes sense because... Okay. We're going to go into our songs of the week and the first of which is uh, from Grimes and uh, this is called uh, Violence and it came out today. That is Grimes with Violence, a new song that came out today um, from her forthcoming album, uh, Miss Anthropocene, um, fifth studio album. Uh, where do we start with this? Uh, I guess we talked a bit about Grimes before and, and, we talked and a lot Azealia about Banks <laughs> and Elon Musk and all that stuff that's been going on. But like musically, what's been going on with her, she did a couple of tracks with some uh, J-pop kind of uh, singers as well didn't she and uh, had called uh, had some label issues that uh, prompted her to call, say my piece of shit label mm. um, so but the album is coming she had a song out last year called We Appreciate Power I wasn't a fan of that song Me was anyone a fan of that song no yeah it was kind of like new metal kind of bubblegum electronic I like it. pop I don't think anyone here liked it okay um how do we feel about this song then it, it was made with a uh, producer io as well and the video features uh claire boucher reading uh the art of war so uh, of course it does yeah <laughs> i um i think it's fine it didn't it's it's much better than the previous track that she's put out and it makes me want to hear the album 
but it didn't move me in any way. I don't know. I, I think maybe I just have this cloud of Grimes now as the person with all of the shit we've been talking about around her over the past year or so. I, there was just something in this where everything I was hearing, I was like, yeah, okay, now she's doing that. Now she's doing this. This is all a bit, it just, it feels a bit Grimes by numbers yeah. um, to me. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be an outlier on this and I, it only came out today. It might grow on me, but I feel like stands, the song could be a grower. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I was thinking that when I was listening to it, I was like, maybe when I spend a bit more time with it, I'll like it more. But as it stands, I'm like, it's fine. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to return to it at the end of the year when I'm making a list. Sure. So, Kelly? Um, I think I'm kind of the same. Um, I think all of the personality stuff and all the drama just kind of distracts a lot for me. And I think I've, I've, it's been a long time since I've actively really cared about a Grimes song. Like I used to really like her stuff. Um, and in recent times, I just feel like I, I feel absolutely zero when I'm listening to it. Mm. Like I do think this is an improvement, but I think like she's done... I just find a lot of the tracks are a bit heartless or something. They're just, they, I think there's artists who are doing that kind of cold calculated electro pop type sound infinitely better than she's doing it. I think a lot of like PC music or any of those types of styles are doing what she's doing more interestingly. I personally think, and she did a track last year with Bring Me The Horizon um, the like British metal pop band and it was one of the worst pieces of music I've heard point blank and I, ever yeah. since then I'm just like very forgettable yeah I just kind of forget about most she does I think Grimes is an album artist so again I will wait to see what happens when that album does drop yeah um, I, yeah I, I kind of I'm not too much I'm like I like this but like I'm not like I think I, I think I'm going to enjoy it more in a couple of weeks for mm-hmm. sure yeah I have a feeling it's going to be one of those songs that as it grows in context it will become more enjoyable i want to hear this on big speakers yeah Probably. yeah i want to hear it live yeah I think without her well. sound issues that she had the last time the poor thing um, i think the electrocution yeah yeah uh, okay we'll move on to the next song it sure. is from bombay bicycle club the song is called eat sleep wake That is Bombay Bicycle Club. A song is called Eat Week, Eat Sleep Wake. I was going to say, <laughs> yes, Eat Sleep Rave Repeat. No, it's called Eat Sleep Wake. Nothing but you from their fifth album. Everything else has gone wrong, which will be released in January twenty twenty. Mm. We're we're there now. I know it's, it's happening. Awful. Isn't uh, it? They're playing Bigger Street on February tenth, twenty twenty as well. Um, and it's their first album since two thousand fourteen. So long. See you tomorrow. Did they actually? They actually did like they went on a hiatus then, right? Well, they broke up. They in broke up twenty sixteen. Okay. And they've come back now. Um, in the meantime, the singer Jack Steedman was doing a, a very different kind of project in 2017 called Mr. Jukes, which mm-hmm. was like all this kind of jazzy hip hop kind of production. 
which is really interesting mm-hmm. uh, but unexpected mm. um, I will leave the floor to uh, you Kelly you're a bigger fan than me so tell me how this fits in Bombay Bicycle Club's Oof. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's a really good song. Well, I really like it. I think um, I think Bombay Bicycle Club aren't like a revolutionary band in any way, shape or form. I don't go into their music like expecting them to reinvent the wheel. But I think of that kind of British indie sound that was big when they were first start releasing stuff. I think they're the strongest of that pack. Their music is still like likable and still interesting. And it's nice to listen to. Like, I don't think there's ever been a Bombay Bicycle Club song that I would like skip over because it's just nice music to listen to. Yeah, I found that with the last album. I, was, I found it enjoyable. Yeah, it's like really good study music. Um, <laughs> yeah. I use it to study. Um, and yeah, I think, I, yeah, I actually like the song. It reminds me a lot of Def Cafe QE. Um, which is always a positive for me. Yeah, um, which is a negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put this song on on the playlist this week because, like, I wouldn't. I think you you hit the nail on the head there about Bombay Bicycle Club, where I I've never felt like they've you know revolutionized anything for me, but they are it, like almost pleasant to a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this when it, when it popped up on my like Discover Weekly or New Music or whatever. I didn't realize it was them. And I was like, who is this new sound? Um, And it was them. And I was like, yeah, I really, really like this. It's unexpected for me to like it as much as I do, given the band, because I'm not like a massive fan of theirs or anything. But I like it. It's sort of, it's hazy and it bobbles along pretty nicely. I can imagine it sounding nice in a live setting. Yeah, mm. I like it. What's your Very take good. on Um Yeah, it's, it's pleasant. It's pleasant. Yeah. Uh, produced by John Congleton, actually, funny enough, um, which I don't really hear much of an influence on mm. in his. Mm. It kind of sounds like Bombay Bicycle Club to me. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, just like slightly updated. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it sounds modern. like a little bit more, maybe more mature than their sound before their sound before was very like it's the summertime and we're all outside whereas this is maybe a little bit more subdued things a little tighter yeah in general yeah it's a bit more like withheld yeah yeah definitely okay we'll move to another pick from dre this is a, a band called black marble and the song is called feels Black Marble, what is this cool new sound? I know, right? Um, so Black Marble is the project of a top called Chris Stewart from Brooklyn. Um, they have two albums, I believe, but it's just him now. It was him and another chap uh, for the first album, and now it's just himself. And I didn't know anything about this band before this week, and I, I heard this song, and it's just re- a really, really nice vibe like it's this kind of dark synth but kind of pleasantly upbeat at the same time sounds kind of hopeful um and then I 
delved into their last album, which was uh, It's Immaterial from 2016. And it's kind of the same sort of stuff as this. Um, and it's been a while since I've discovered a band where I like the sound of one song so much. And then when you go back to their back catalogue, it, it it's still that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's still... Um, they're kind of consistently themselves throughout. So I'd, if anyone doesn't, I don't know, may, maybe they're a very cool band to like, and I just didn't know them already. I, I'd never heard them before. But, I, um, I was like reaching back in my memory to see if I yeah. heard them. Because they're released on Sacred Bones, a, a pretty reputable label, mm. and they have done for a while. And the name does not ring a bell. No, not at yeah. all. I, I, I just think it kind of fits into the sort of synthy revival that we've been having since like... Chill Wave. Um, maybe a little bit darker than Chillwave. If you're going back, like before the whole Stranger Things th- thing, maybe even to like the Drive soundtrack. Reminds me a bit of Twin Shadow, maybe. Twin as well, Shadow, very much so. Yeah, um, or even well. like a, a Timber, Tim, Timber, 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 Timber. That band, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Timber with Tombo. the kind of spookiness in it or something. Um, yeah, I'm just really, really big fan of this song this week. Yeah, cool. Kelly, any thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, I'm always weak for that like 80s synth sound. Yeah. I think the second I hear something that's like a little bit lo-fi and has that, I'm like nostalgic for a time period I never experienced. Same. Um, I'm yeah. like, yes, I'm in the 80s. Let's go. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. It's definitely a strong mood. Yeah, I think sure. so. Yeah. That is Black Marble. Song is called Feels. Up next is Kelly's Choice. It is Black Belt Eagle Scout. Song is called My Heart Dreams. As Black Belt Eagle Scout, Kelly, tell me more. Um, so yeah, um, Black Belt Eagle Scout uh, is my new favorite band name because it's so hard to remember and I think that's brave. Um, but uh, yeah, she's an artist on Saddle Creek Records, um, which is kind of always a plus for me. Um, I love that label so much. And she's just put out her second album. So she put out her first album, Mother of My Children, last September. Um, and it got really high praise from like Fader, Pitchfork. And it was kind of just absolutely out of nowhere as well. Um, and now she's just after releasing her second album, uh, which is called At the Party with My Brown Friends. Um, and she's just a really cool person in general. Um, she's like a radical, queer, um, indigenous feminist and uses her platform um, for kind of talking about those issues and, and problems that people face. Like the music video for this track as well um, is about indigenous women um, and like the intersections between them and LGBT communities and stuff. Um, I just, I, I kind of love the sound of it. It's got that kind of riot girl kind of aesthetic to it, but like a lot softer. There's a lot more kind of holding back on it. And um, it's just really, it's a really beautiful album overall. And there's a lot of acoustic numbers on there that are like really pretty as well. So, okay. 
Reminds me of uh, Service OS in 2014. Yeah. When I was there last <laughs> Those kind of bands. Yeah. There's a lot of those. But uh, yeah, it sounds good. And, uh, totally new to me. I had not heard this before. Same with me. Totally new. Um, will be listening more. Uh, didn't know much about her at all. So that's, you know, it's always a big plus when you see people using their platform for good mm-hmm. things and sounding good while they do it. So yeah, this might be a new fave yeah. for me. Great. Okay, our final song for uh, this week is from Fortet uh, and it is called Anna Painting. As a new track from Fortet, uh, I started listening to that on the way down to EP in the car on uh, oh. Sunday. Oh, sorry. There we go. He's off now. Um, <laughs> turned him off. Uh, yeah, Fortet, uh, always worth a listen when he releases anything new, pretty much. And uh, again, I just love this track. I just think it's quintessential Fortet in lots mm-hmm. of ways. It has all the pretty melodies, but lots of like nice... Um, bleeps and bloops in it that really actually become like a hook almost and uh, I just think he has a, a way of producing music that is just fantastic and I want to hear it all the time and the EP is actually really strong for mm-hmm. three tracks that are n- not tied to any singular release at all they're just three tracks that appeared last week mm. how do you guys feel about it I really really like this track um I think it's yeah it's lovely and melodic and then later when that I don't know what that stringed in instrument is that comes in if it's like a if it's a harp or whatever it is that comes in later um he's been using a lot of those kind of sounds in the last few years yeah it's actually he's always really used that kind yeah of sound. but there's there's something in that where it's it's not such an obvious melody but it it hooks really well in with everything else that's going on. It's kind of like contrapuntal to everything else that's yeah. happening around it. I think that's re- that's a, like a really really effective moment when that kind of gets its chance to have a little solo or whatever. That's what I think he's really good at as well as like yeah. not sticking to a grid and like being able to bring those elements into the music that seem to flow above it a bit more. And Definitely. Also aren't 
and they give it that kind of organic texture, that kind of warmth to it. Yeah, it, it definitely, yeah, what warmth is a, is a good word for it, I think, because it, it just brings something real worldy in, into, like, into the, into the machine. Um, and I mean, yeah, he's, he's always done that really well. The, I listened to the EP today and it's really strong. This is my favorite off it. Yeah. Um, it's based around, um, a series of paintings that a friend of his did where, um, he, he composed three tracks and then she made three paintings based on those. And then for the fourth one, um, they did the opposite way where, uh, she made a painting and he, uh, made a song out of it <laughs> cool. is a very eloquent well, uh, way of putting that but thanks for bringing um, that uh, to but, our attention I yeah so I, yeah it's, it's a cool kind of method of collaboration i think to kind of because the music is so kind of visual in itself that it makes sense that it would have this like external visual element to it i think yeah. but yeah big fan cool yeah I think like he's a, a master of what he does and I think he he does it in such an interesting way all the time I think especially because I, I get on a bit of fatigue at music that sounds like fortet because I think there's so many artists who try to emulate him um, and they do it in a really boring way and you just get sick of the kind of stabbing synth sound um, but he always manages to make it interesting and that kind of human element as well like it isn't robot music like it mm. there's yeah. always something personal to it and it's always cohesive with each other as well so he manages to keep a common sound but always make it intrigue it feels otherworldly yeah. i feel like i'm in the woods hanging out with some fairies yeah and this do you think playing. there's something about the way he produces that uh allows for that like do you know anything about his setup i know he used to use like in a live setup he used to use like cool edit or something like that oh in really some ways. Yeah. like so like everything wasn't just tied to a group yeah. necessarily the way that burial makes his stuff in um, yeah. like whatever it is cool edit or something like that so one of those audio programs that isn't necessarily tied to a grid like mm-hmm. ableton or something like that but um yeah i'm just interested in his process maybe that yeah. allows him to do that other than his actual creative imagination mm. you know uh, but that's fortet a uh, song is called anna painting and now it's time for our album of the week it is from lana del rey and uh, the album is called norman fucking rockwell let's hear a track from it this is the title track child you fucked me so good that i almost said i love you you're fun and you're wild you don't know the ever the shit that you put me through your poetry is bad and you blame the change that and I can't change your mood cause you're just a man it's just what you do That is Norman fucking Rockwell, the title track of Lana Del Rey's fifth album. Um, and uh, it has been receiving a lot of praise in the last week, I would say. And I feel like we're not going to be any different here. Um, this is a fantastic album, to put it 
short. Yeah. Um, but I that's... didn't know what you were going to think of it. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm so happy that you like it. Oh. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I, I kept you in suspense. I didn't tell you. I thought yeah. I thought we talked about this. No, already. no, no. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fantastic album. It's another week of a Jack Antonoff produced album mm-hmm. after you, last you week's Taylor though, Swift. Would you? No, you wouldn't. You really wouldn't. And. Uh, from my perspective, now Kelly, you can talk about it in more detail because you're a, a massive fan yeah. and so you can give us more context. But um, I've always struggled with Lana Del Rey's um, albums overall. I've always felt like they have dragged for me here and there and she has moments that she really stands out It's song-wise, like in the singles-wise or even um, like on the albums. But I've never been so impressed by her as i am with this album is um uh, i think it's her best album it's her fifth album it's her best for me absolutely she seems to have ditched um some of the aesthetic kind of uh that she's been sticking to that kind of faded american glamour thing even though there's plenty of references still in there to Mm. america and culture and all that kind of stuff um there's so many references in the, in these songs to even like Led Zeppelin and uh, Laurel Canyon and um, Beach Boys and stuff like that. They're all there, but it definitely feels like a more of a singular statement that she's less chasing um, a pop uh, zeitgeist or anything like that. Like maybe some for her last album where she had ASAP Rocky and The Weeknd on it, which just didn't work for me at all. And I feel like this is a a, a complete statement as an album, and it works so so well and um yeah so that's my opening thoughts on on uh norman fucking rockwell kelly how do you as a fan how do you um how did this work for you when you first started um i definitely think it's her best album so far i'd say by a fairly big amount especially after the last album which was most disappointed i've been lost for life i just thought was quite a poor record um it was very much her trying to attempt to hit chart success when i think most of her strengths lie in being like a unique artist whether that's a likable thing or a dislikable thing depending on who you're talking to it still is her thing is that she doesn't kind of follow the the chart stuff um but i think yeah like the approach to this album i thought was really excellent so she started rolling out the singles last summer um so there's been a single like every couple of months so we've known ex- i feel like most people who are keeping up to date with it knew exactly how this album was going to sound and mo- the way that people were talking about it was we're all going to be so obsessed with this album because the single so far is so good um yeah i just i, I think it's a, a really amazing piece i think it's a lot of growth for her i think she seems a lot more confident in herself on it um and less trying to imitate the kind of greats that she references mm. um yeah, I, I, I've always had problems with talking about Lana Del Rey because I, I always find some of the discussion points around her to be, mm, I don't want to say sexist, but I think a little bit sexist. Like mm. I, I, I find a lot of what she has historically come under attack for has been very gender based and a lot of the standards that she gets held up to um, have been based on her presentation of femininity. Um a lot of the time from other women as well. I, I, I found people would talk about her as if she was like very anti-feminist, mm. um, which I've always thought was incredibly unfair. There's small elements of me with with this album. I think it's musically fantastic, but I think the, the, the different tone that people are using when they're talking about her and kind of saying that she's like a bit more real now and stuff like that. I struggle with a little bit. I, th- I think the presentation of feminine, I think with Lana Del Rey's music, she's always presented a really interesting insight to what it means to be a woman and a certain type of woman, the woman who is in 
relationships with terrible people mm. who they romanticize uh, and the woman who maybe doesn't have the healthiest relationship with her gender but yeah. you know still exists and who is and, still a valid and woman. is still a valid woman yeah. and like I've been in that situation. I've had loads of friends who've been in situations where you're going out with someone who's a scumbag and mm. like you still romanticize them. And she got so much hatred for that. And I just, I, f I feel like on this album, she's a bit more like broken. Like she's mm. a bit more like bare bones emotion, kind of regretting, uh, like looking up to these men or regretting her particular, like her previous forms of, um, ideas around her own gender and stuff and I feel like that the language has changed because of that and it's like it's a really fantastic album but a small part of me is like is it she, is the femininity that she's presenting now a little bit more acceptable because it fits what people like more yeah. and is that why some of the language around her is because a lot of the stuff is still similar she's still using the like old school references the glamour the American ideology type stuff um yeah that's just kind of one thing I've had a, a little bit of a bug about with a lot of the talk around it and mm. um, I don't know whatever you kind of think yeah I, like I, I definitely agree that her her kind of all-american fourth of July aesthetic didn't didn't get it for a lot of it, it didn't work for a lot of people for those reasons where it's like oh she's romanticizing a time when women couldn't vote or she's romanticizing toxic relationships and I I think that even though I haven't been a fan of her albums in the past I'm the same as you now I, I feel like she's a, for me she's been a very strong singles artist and then the albums have kind of not done it for me but um I feel like what she's doing here is that little bit more maybe intentional or maybe it's the time that it's being released in like I feel like he the, like the ideas and aesthetics that work so well in this album have always been there with her but now given the context of you know talking about America and looking to America's past as something to hold up um as their their president does and as their Republican Party does I think it's even more vital now that there is you know there's a mirror being held up to what was actually so great about America before and I think she she works so well around that idea of Norman Rockwell who mm -hmm. as an artist you know he he aimed to paint America at its very best and it's clear that the America that Norman Rock, Rock, Rockwell was painting and the America that he was envisioning didn't exist then and it was always an idealistic future that you know could be if America got its shit together and I think Lana on this album is is doing the same thing mm. she's she's pointing or she's discussing an America that that isn't real um like she always has been but in the way that she's doing it now she's being critical of the idea that we're looking towards this past where things weren't good you know women didn't have a good time um the the american dream is is a con it's a sham you know and i think that that sort of like nostalgia tinged dissonance is what works so well on this album where she is she is picking and choosing the greatest bits of of america and american music and american culture like norman rockwell but she's also like like he did later in his career in his painting she's also kind of saying we're not living up to this and we'll never live up to this unless we sort our shit out and that's that's what makes this album feel like really just vital in its in its context now mm -hmm. I feel like she's she's finally for me singing about 
a real America. Um, and like th through the lens of, is this really the America that you want us to be? Do you really want us to go back there? Um, and I just find that it's, it, it, it questions what we, and like what Americans and what we as outsiders know America to be, um, and sort of says, no, this isn't what America is. Do yeah. you know, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about how she's navigated her, her image of an all American kind of, you know, woman in like a Jimmy Stewart film or a, like the, a rebel in the backseat of a, ca a cabriolet. Is that a Chevrolet? A Chevrolet, Chevrolet that's yeah. the one. Um, like it's just that, that very kind of, 1950s teenager aesthetic that you know never never existed and now she's just kind of cleverly turning it on itself or the culture has turned so that now she fits it I'm not sure which one mm. it is but I, I think that's giving her less credit than she deserves maybe uh for this album and the way she's talking about those things yeah I don't know like it's not not, not that like I'm not saying that cult, the culture has changed and now it works by accident I mean more that the culture has changed so now she has an opportunity to speak on the same level as people like I, I i think she's been pointing to america's past in a critical way for a long time but critics haven't necessarily delved any deeper than oh or the the critics that you you were yeah, kind yeah. of alluding to there than, than saying she's romanticizing the past or she's romanticizing toxic relationships i think she's always been critical of that in her own way you know I find this a lot more personal than her other work mm, in general, mm -hmm. but also in terms of what you're talking about there, in terms of like American pop culture, like mm. the song, The Greatest, the way she talks, like LA is, in, LA is in flames, it's getting hot, Kanye West is blonde and gone, Life Find Mars ain't just a song, I hope the live stream's almost on. Like it just feels more relevant to, to what's going on now and yeah. generally speaking in the world than uh, some of the other things she was reaching for, I think, mm. and that's maybe for me where I, I this chimes more but also per on a personal note like she's writing a lot more personally i think yeah. on this album than she ever has um and that is something i find quite engaging like like even there's there's things there like we've joked before about like you could come up with a alana del rey song title or whatever you know but there's stuff in there that's like 24 7 sylvia plath yeah or like ice cream ice queen you're like yeah okay that's total lana del rey like territory but like it just fits it more it's like she's just more comfortable in all this and mm. she's she's got to the point where she's a better songwriter. She's got good collaborators working with her who are uh, working to her vision and the songs are just way better. They're just mm -hmm. way better overall. And she's created this, like where the last album was trying to do that, like uh, some of that trap pop stuff, as you said. Mm -hmm. Like this is not compromising in any way, mm -hmm. but it draws from all sorts of... Um, previous genres and like but it just kind of feels like its own thing again yeah. which is why when she first came out with um like video games and stuff like that there was some it was so impactful because mm -hmm. she exists outside of the pop side guy she's not a part of it most of the time and it's easy to forget that because like she is spoken about at the same time as all these other artists but i think she's totally different than anyone yeah. else mm. um Almost like I was surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but I was almost surprised that when she played uh, Malahai Castle earlier this year that it was completely like stuffed. Right? Yeah. So did you go to that? No, I had tickets, but then I ended up going to Body and Soul. Okay. Um, 
I was, oh, same weekend. I was glad to miss it. Yeah, oh, it was the same okay. weekend, which was a huge mistake for the gays of Ireland. We were all yeah, pretty, pretty okay, upset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- I think here she's, yeah, she's definitely moved away from being that sort of may- maybe adhering to an aesthetic of like mid 20th century, like values where men were men and women were sad and now it's 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 kind of like pointing more towards the fact that the values of today are regressing to that time and as well as that her, her melodies have never sounded better like mm-hmm. her actual music her vocals have never sounded better yeah. she just like there's not a song on this that i take off the first time i heard do in time i was jarred i was like oh god i don't know about this now i'm like this which is a cover of the yeah, Sublime yeah. song. Yeah, uh, yeah. One, one, one of my songs of the year, for sure. Could, um, could have went either way. Yeah. yeah. Like it was so close to being, a, like the original is a cod reggae LA song. Yeah. So like it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. She keeps elements of that and somehow it works. It, it was made so for well. the, there was a, they're making a documentary about Sublime and that was what, where it originally was oh, written, really? like re- recorded for it. And then she recorded it and she was like, hold on. I want this. I want this on my album. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then asked the label and that was her gone. I think, uh, I think the greatest is her greatest song um, that she's written. It's just, I, it just moved me so much when I heard it. I just, mm-hmm. It's just this, there's a whole world in that song. Just like you can take out any words that she's even saying and and it's just so musically rich and Mm -hmm. warm and absolutely gorgeous um but yeah I I do think that her her being more personal on this is also her being that bit more political or that bit more kind of um coming at the world she feels it feels like she's more assertive though yeah yeah absolutely definitely as well like the way she's goddamn man child yeah like she's addressing the men and and like not this like i'm too cool for Mm. for this or like she's not she feels like a more a well-rounded person yeah in terms of her lyrics and more personally giving more of herself as well. I think the level of intimacy on some of the tracks is just like phenomenal. Like Mariner's apartment complex for me mm. and hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have. Yeah. They're such rawly confessional songs that you just don't hear in pop yeah. at all. Like, and there's stuff that I think I always say this with Lana Del Rey. I just feel like she communicates my understanding of femininity in such a, a wonderful way. Like when I'm listening to that music, I feel like I'm hearing someone talk about things that I never hear being yeah. spoken about in in music. And I think the the interesting thing was like, like there was an interview with her recently where she was explaining um the greatest and the lyrics about Kanye West and stuff. And people asked her about her politics um in it. And she said she was a centrist. Um and people on Twitter were like getting really angry about it and stuff. Mm. Um being like, why aren't you left wing? Whatever. And I was like, why are you looking to this particular individual for your politics for that type of like because the kind of woke politics artists are very polished and if you can go to something like Lizzo that's fantastic but with I think with Lana Del Rey it is that kind of confessional stuff that's coming out now where it's like raw I wouldn't expect her to be like politically I feel like her politics is personal it's it's her personal experience and it's not really like sloganeering which makes it kind of seem a little bit more honest I think than what you're hearing um elsewhere in the charts and and stuff yeah yeah, I think with with kind of female pop stars, there there is definitely something in her that it it feels like she's singing the things that I wouldn't really say to my friends. Mm-hmm. Like even even in in her past albums, like yeah, we've we've all 
gone out with people who are awful and we think they're great because they're awful and like it's it's just sort of talking about the stuff that as feminists you don't really have the floor to talk about Mm. because it's problematic and because it's not helpful to the cause and things like that and it is helpful sometimes to just hear somebody say yeah this guy is really horrible to me but I love him anyway because it's like okay yeah that that happens that happens to women and there's there's an honesty and there's a there's a kind of an authenticity in that where just because you're singing about something like that doesn't mean that you're that you're you know condoning it you're you're providing a space for a person to recognize their own behaviors and their own feelings within that and I think that there's like I've I've had to kind of learn over the years that that's what she's doing and not be as critical of her you know singing her truth and if her truth is a bit centric like I am I don't know just look like from interviews with her and from like stuff she said publicly about Trump and stuff I don't know if I'd put her there that's the thing and that's why I kind of thought was it came across quite even more authentic in this kind of situation because I don't think she probably actually is a centrist because of the way that she talks about things is always Mm. quite liberal left-wing but she's just not really a virtue signaler and I think that's quite refreshing in in pop music she probably doesn't have the the, an, enough confidence to say like it, it, it'd be hard to say oh well I'm left wing and then all of a sudden all these people are like oh well what about in 2011 Literally, when you said this yeah. and it's probably just better off playing it safe <laughs> yeah. and also like we don't need to ask her about her politics Literally, like, her, yeah. her, her music is the thing that matters here and I me personally I know she's not um, from her interactions on Twitter today she's not that up for people we'll get to that. taking too much um taking too much from her album that isn't there but for me personally this album helped me understand what what American kind of what the whole make America great again thing it 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 just it just kind of made that make sense to me and it made it brought that to my attention in a new and refreshing way like new and refreshing ways to hate that Mm -hmm. as a statement and hate that as a political kind of um asset to a campaign or anything it yeah it just it just kind of brought that up in like a really sort of personal way that I was just so floored by and so moved by I don't know if she was doing it or not but that's what I took yeah. from it sorry yeah. Lana <laughs> um I think it bears repeating that like her vocals on this are the best she's ever they, done and, yeah and when I went back and listened to some of the album tracks that I even I really enjoyed I just didn't get the same sense of um power or feeling from previous albums albums Mm -hmm. as I do with this one I just think she's singing better she's giving herself more space she's sounding less like you know if a lot of the criticism in the early days of Lana Del Rey was like she's playing this role and this Mm -hmm. aesthetic and like it doesn't feel like that anymore yeah Mm -hmm. she's spending a lot more time in those upper registers as well she's she's... found a lot of um, I remember the first time I heard that song Shades of Cool I think it was from is it from Montreal Islands I think so yeah like I was like oh I didn't know she had this in her and Mm -hmm. I I feel like that's been more fully realised on this album now Um, so I'm going to give you a choice do you want to hear a bit of California The Greatest or Love Song I thought the greatest. I, the greatest, yeah. <laughs> okay. It is, is the greatest. greatest. <laughs> Those nights were on fire. We couldn't get higher. We didn't know that we had it all. But nobody wants you before the fire. 
Before we sign off, after all, there's one other thing we should talk about, Atlanta, right, which happened today. Oh, yeah, it's happening again. I haven't figured this out yet. Um, yeah, so uh, as we saw with Lizzo a few months ago, um, responding to critics, this was a bit of a strange one today. Um, Lana Ray responded to Anne K. Powers, who wrote a very long um, essay almost about the mm-hmm. album and mostly glowing, but... It just brought to mind so many questions about um, the nature of the artist-critic relationship and whether some a critic can be wrong if they're told by the artist. So Lana Del Rey responded to Anne K. Powers about the review. Um, do you have the text there? Yeah, so she said to her, here's a little side note on your piece. I don't even relate to one observation you made about the music. There's nothing uncooked about me. To write about me is nothing like it is to be with me. Never had a persona, never needed one, never will. And she followed that up with, so don't call yourself a fan like you did in the article and don't count your editor one either. I may I may never have made bold political or cultural statements before because my gift is the warmth I live my life with and the self-reflection I share generously. And that was, yeah, that was in response to like a largely kind of... Um, approving and positive review of an album that was incredibly well researched and well written and had a lot of the the writer's personal experience with the album in it and I just I don't think this is a good look for any artist but especially somebody like Lana Del Rey who has stands and is just gonna cause a a stampede on this writer so it seems like she just she other than like the word uncooked in there is mm. something that like bothers her. There's a couple of other things in the mostly glowing review that mm. it says that are a bit negative, but mostly that like it, with that, it's comparing her to uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, a song from 1972. And it said, uh, Mitchell's lyrics read as poetic and incisive next to it. Del Rey's feels uncooked. Mm. Um, that's just one line in it, but it's generally overall very positive. There's another part I noticed earlier on that was a little bit maybe uh, negative about her. Um, but I think overall, like what I think is like, okay, first of all, she shouldn't have done this. She shouldn't mm-hmm. have responded because there's been unanimous pretty much critical praise about this album. So to hone in on one a couple of different words in a review um, is one thing. But the other part of it is, like, just because Lana Del Rey doesn't see herself in Anne K. Perry's review doesn't mean that it's not a valid observation mm. because music is can be there to be interpreted by critics and it's not necessarily... We're getting into Barth's death of the author here. <laughs> uh, the philosophical con- uh, concept that if once you create a work it no longer belongs to you the author is dead and the work is only alive in the experience uh, of the person receiving it and I subscribe to that mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. well I mean most people do and even yeah. like most artists are like well you know it's out in the world now so you can I won't give you the meanings of it yeah. and now in this day of genius and all that kind of stuff even uh, I saw on Jeannie Sergeant one of the songs where she talks about a black narcissist uh, fans were wondering if it meant um, it was a reference to Azealia Banks because she had a go at her mm. earlier this year and she, and she vehemently was like I don't 
write songs about race. I don't write songs about specific people who I don't know. Yeah. So, and it was very much in the same uh, vein and language as she like responded to Anne K. Powers. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, I think that there's a risk here, not, not only of, you know, d- damaging a, a writer's reputation and, and, making them have a shit time of it on Twitter. There's a risk here of kind of narrowing in in too much on what an album is about and what is actually contained within it. If you keep telling people, no, that's not what it's about. No, that's what it's, that's not what it's about. It, you'll run out of things for it to be about, you Mm. know, like the, what, what I love so much about this album is that there is a multiplicity of interpretations contained within it and, you can listen to it in one mood and experience one thing you can listen like it 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 contains multitudes it has layers and for her to just say no that's not what it's about i think is doing a disservice to good criticism and it's also doing a disservice to good songwriting yeah it's just a shame really i think um i think yeah it's always a bad luck um I wonder what the motivation behind it is with Lana Del Rey um, for for the response. Because I think like if you look at like the the change from her interviews uh, in earlier albums to what she's doing now, I think she's very actively made a decision to drop the persona that people critiqued her for having. Mm. So I think she's trying to come across like a regular person now um, and she's trying to be like open with things. And I think potentially there there could be a, a... uh, a reluctancy to have any type of thing projected onto her. I think mm. she's scared of different interpretations being projected onto her because she's opened herself up in this different way now. And she's scared of people perceiving her in different ways. Cause I watched an interview of her last night as well, where she was saying that James Franco, the actor um, said he was writing a book about her called conversations with Lana Del Rey. Mm. And um, she contacted him about it and she was like, I don't really know you. Uh, what conversations have you had with me? And then he sent her on like excerpts about it. And she was talking at length about how he projected this vision of a type of woman on her right, and all okay. this sort of stuff and how much she hated it and how bad it made her feel and stuff like that. So I wonder if it is coming from this idea of like, she doesn't want personality traits projected on her, mm. which I think I, I understand, but like at the same time, you're an incredibly famous pop singer with a large persona. So that's going to happen with yeah. you and you have to accept that. And also to um, say you've never had a persona, never will, is like, it's a fallacy. Like you, yeah. you have and you... Whether you want you one or right. not. Yeah. Like you, and you went along with that narrative for the first album at least. Mm, so yeah. I don't think that's fair. And every pop singer has a persona. Even if your persona is being like a down-to-earth cool guy in a band who's really that's your persona yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. you like it or not you're famous so it's a persona yeah, yeah well i mean you, her, her her artist name is not lizzie grant it's yeah Atlanta yeah Ray. yeah exactly so, yeah you know you do adopt something yeah yeah like by by performing and putting music out there you are doing that yeah. so and i felt so bad for the writer as well because she's clearly a fan and you can and, see and that is like yeah a legend. Like, she's like been doing this for years and she put together loads of uh, i have loads of books at home best music writing yeah they did for like eight ten years in a row she would collate the best writing of that particular year yeah and uh yeah she's great and like it clearly it's a very well written piece and it's not a hit piece in any way no so i think all these artists need to figure out how to uh, uh, uh take criticism like yeah. chance the rapper trying to get a bad review taken down or yeah or lizzo reacting uh negatively to uh 
a lukewarm review, even yeah. though she is now currently number one yeah. in the US Billboard charts. Is, is there something where, like, once an artist gets a, a nine or above on Pitchfork, they think that everyone else is then wrong? Like, what if they've, especially a pop artist, it's like, oh, if we've cracked Pitchfork, then anybody who has any anything negative to say, they're clear, they're clearly not right. I don't know. It's just something. It just shows like a like st- stand behind your work as itself mm-hmm. you shouldn't need to explain it like that's oh it's so boring yeah to... and the funny thing about all that is that like you know it gives so much power to actual critic reviews mm-hmm. when at a time when everyone's talking about there is no power in it yeah. yeah and i think that's really interesting as well to be like like if the artist really felt like it didn't affect their career they should just leave it completely yeah. but obviously they feel the need to respond to these things and i think that's Someone needs to take their phone away. Yeah. I think it's goofy as well because like we don't live in an age where music critique is particularly harsh. Like it's very rare to see a lot of very harsh criticism of music. So it's just like you're going to hear things maybe that you slightly disagree with, but there's rarely like hit pieces yeah. Um, yeah. anymore. Even that so word like, uncut could just mean like it's more like uh, raw ingredients as yeah. opposed to like, oh, it's undercooked. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a different thing. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So. And I think as well, like most, I, I know like mo- most people that I know and, and myself included would approach an album review still like fr- from a personal perspective. Like when you're writing an album review, you, there's, you can't, be objective like there's so much subjectivity in your experience of the album Mm -hmm. and the things that you're bringing to it that's why there's good album reviewers and there's bad album reviewers otherwise you'd just be listing what songs are good and what songs are bad you know like writing a a a review or a piece around a piece of music is creating something in itself and I think to try and police that and to try and um sort of come at that with a with a red pen so it sort of takes away a lot, a lot of the work that goes into writing a piece like that, which is brilliant. I really, really like that piece. And I thought it was really well thought out and well presented. And it's just kind of got this black mark on it now because people are going in looking for the bad mm-hmm. thing that she said about Lana Del Rey. Which isn't obvious. At no, all. not at all. And it, but it's there's there's so much more to that piece. It's a whole narrative in itself, like and just let let things exist alongside your music, yeah. you know. I think you're right. I think we a lot of people need to go back and look at the old enemy reviews yeah. or Q reviews or Rolling Stone reviews and see how bad and how yeah. negative and how uh, crude and yeah. and, and that can be fun. Like some the, of those people were. But mm-hmm. you'd, you'd never do it about an artist who didn't deserve it. You know. Do you remember and, that Jet review on Pitchfork? Oh, yeah, just the the monkey throwing shit. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Just a picture of a monkey throwing shit. Jesus. Yeah. So thankfully we don't have that anymore. <laughs> no. Um, but okay, that's Lana Del Rey's album. We all agree it's a it's a fantastic uh, album. Probably one of the albums of the year for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Great. Let's uh, play a bit more of a song just to wipe the slate clean from the critic talk. This is a love song. I believe in a place you take me, make you real proud of your baby. In your car, I'm a star, and I'm burning through you. Baby, it's the best 
Yes, it is safe to just be who you are. <laughs> it is Lana Del Rey with Norman fucking Rockwell. Uh, guys, what um, have you been reading and watching and listening this week? What have we, what's been consuming you? Uh, I've been reading a very good book called How to Lose a Country, The Seven Steps from Democracy to Dictatorship by E.C.E. is how she spells her first name. Uh, Tamel Kuran, who's a Turkish writer, um, political writer. Um, and the book sort of looks at what's happening in uh, Europe widely, but particularly Britain and the US um, in terms of populism and relating it to um kind of tropes that have been occurring in Turkey for years um, and it goes through seven things you need to do to you know destroy democracy um, and become a populist leader and eventually um, a dictatorship so a light week really um, you know not much else going on other than that <laughs> uh, this has probably been informing my highly political interpretation of the Lanatome <laughs> album to be honest but um but yeah, it, it is genuinely excellent. Um, it's essentially easy to read um, because, you know, it's there's a lot of kind of big politics in it. And I'm I can get confused by stuff like that. Um, I still don't really understand Brexit, but it's I, I think probably in the times that we're living in now, anybody who is worried or is you know anxious about the world that this this has given me a better understanding of kind of the science to look out for so i'd absolutely recommend it yeah very good i've been listening to the podcast you recommended last week which was land of the giants oh uh, yeah yeah it's good isn't it? yeah very good very good i uh, i realized they're gonna actually probably go after or go after but uh feature a whole series on facebook then and google presumably yeah i, I, uh, I the need amazon like, one is interesting especially all the alexa stuff and the yeah. um the way that they talk about customer obsession and all that kind mm, of thing yeah it's really interesting depressing i need the great cambridge analytica podcast of the ages like i need someone to just make that <laughs> and i feel like these these guys might do it right. so Thank you. Uh, Kelly, what have you been consuming? Um, I've been consuming academic papers and college work. Um, so not much space outside of Anything that. Anything interesting? Um, in uh, no, it's all it's all pretty bleak. Um, I yeah. The no, Taylor Swift album. So, the Taylor Swift album has has been. I listened to the Lana album for eight hours straight yesterday whilst doing study. Um, I've been going through Noah Baumbach's movies this week. So watch Francis Ha. Um, and then That's watched really Mistress America last night. So uh, I think he's got a new one coming out soon. Uh, so preparing for that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I started saw- watching that uh, TV show Euphoria. 
which oh, is yeah. very good, very stylistic, um, uh, very interesting, and basically a teen drama show, but around modern life and social media, and uh, but done in a real way that's not shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've been <laughs> excited to watch it. Yeah. yeah, it's great, really good. And finished the, I'm just watching everything else I've been watching in the last few weeks, Succession, and finished Legion. The final episode no. of that show, which Dre does not like. I don't like that show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also went to the cinema. I went to see The Souvenir, um, which is the new uh, Joanna Hogg film. has Tilda Swindon um, and a lady called Honor Swinton Byrne, who I think is the niece of Tilda, something like that. Um, Sounds like it. And uh, Richard Iowadi has a very small part in it. I'm like a <laughs> huge fan of him. Um, I love him. And I, I love when he does like real acting and real performing. And he was excellent. And he was only in it for one scene. He was hilarious, but also brilliant, like just brilliant acting. And yeah, very strange film. Um, Hyper realist and um, artsy. I don't know, we'll say. But um I was confused and felt suffocated throughout the whole thing. And then at the end, I, when I was leaving, I was like, oh, I was quite moved. So, you know, art films. Uh, yeah, it's very good. I'd, I'd like to watch a good film now this, uh, this weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to be doing much. Art Souvenir. It's good. Yeah, good. Um, I <laughs> I watched a very cool movie called The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't The Matrix so cool? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. Even when I watched it, I was like, okay, let's watch it. I was like, this is very enjoyable. Every time. At first time I thought, this it. is going to date so badly. Mm-hmm. But actually, it hasn't. I mean, I mean, the costumes are the costumes and, you know, that kind of cyber techno mm. thing. But even when you're looking at those visual effects now, they're still, they're as good as you know any of the other ones that are happening in marvel films and stuff like yeah so ahead of their game like yeah and i sure. i like all three of those films i haven't seen the other two yet but maybe i'll watch them at next all week. no i have, I oh, have right. but like not for 10 years or whatever mm. if i remember they weren't as good but they weren't as good but yeah yeah they're entertaining enough yeah ah good good old-fashioned action mm-hmm. movie it's good like sci-fi tendencies into that uh that's it from us i think this week yeah 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 um what is going on uh, this week? Nothing. I'm going to have a very quiet week. Do you know what's going on in October, though? Yeah, go on, tell them. We are doing a live podcast at the Cork Podcast Festival. You can see us on October 13th Um, in, is it Kino or the, the Kino? The Kino. The Kino in Cork. Um, and we're very excited and we're doing plans and yeah, get on down. It's free, but I think you need to get a ticket. Do you? I I, I, th- I think so. I don't know. Sure, I, sure. Well, from what I've heard, Cork people just show up places <laughs> and they don't buy tickets. This is like how I got here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like apparently it's a thing in Cork where it's like it's like oh, have you got like people will be going to gigs? And it's like no, I don't have a ticket. I'll just buy it when I get there. And I have that from reliable sources. So I heard Sam about Galway though. Oh really? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see. Um, so yeah, we're doing that. So fun yeah, times. Yeah, and I should say, speaking of Cork, we uh, helped out on the music trail for Sounds from the South Harbour Festival mm-hmm. next weekend. So have some of the acts playing at the music trail, part of the free music trail, part of the weekend. It's going to be an amazing festival, starting with John Hopkins on Thursday night doing a DJ set in Dali, which is completely sold out. But we're giving a we're doing a prize at the moment for tickets for John Hopkins and a hotel stay that night and then tickets to Grand Brothers as well the following day. The likes of Sam Amadon, uh, Leslie Feist, Queen Rahala, um, all sorts of interesting people are doing stuff and uh, we have the likes of the Merry Wallopers playing some trad sessions on the Sunday 
Garrett Quinn Redmond, uh, Nilo's playing his first Cork gig, but Jar Jar Jr. as well. So lots of interesting stuff happening in Cork next weekend. So uh, I will look forward to that. I'm going to have a quiet weekend this weekend. Lovely. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I have no plans. Good. Um, Kelly, what are you doing? You're, you've got a gig happening this week. Yeah, I'm playing. Uh, I'm doing a DJ set tomorrow night in the Bernard Shaw um, for Gash Collective with So Hot, So Spicy. It's going to be a big night of bangers. Um, so it's Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Friday night. Um, so I've been getting some drum and bass ready earlier. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited for how it's going to so go down. Last time I played I there, I just played loads of drum and bass because there was no one there. And I was like, this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but all the staff were dancing. So I was like, you know, it's a victory. But uh, yeah, that's be a lot of fun and of course you make music as gadget on the cloud yeah. you have some gigs come up soon um i've no live gigs coming up soon um i've uh, done a, a bit of a, a stall ball before my thesis is due so i'm taking a, a little bit of a break um but i'm playing i'm djing the weekend the week after for district magazines um that's a culture night uh, culture event. night event yeah oh, so cool. that's in who else is on that one uh yeah. it's so it's me pat lagoon um sailor vida may the district lads and boy wonder um, so it's a mix of DJ sets and uh, live performance. So it should be great crack. Cool. That's the same night as our workman's gig. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> so we can run around the corner yeah. and have a look. Uh, so that workman's gig is the 20th of uh, September. Got silver and it, That's the same night as everything else that's yeah. happening in Dublin, to be uh, fair. It now. is culture night. Uh, it is but culture it's free night. in, though. That gig yeah. will be free in. Silverbacks, uh, Odd Morris a band called GIF who we featured recently and then the Mary Wallopers are doing a trance mm. session as well Lovely. so lots happening on a culture night as there ever will be um, and we're going to leave you with a track from oh I should say patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to support us what we're doing uh, put up a modern ambient playlist this week and a couple of other things coming and still working away on those t-shirts they're going to be here very soon um, and the badges also are here i've seen the badges just about okay that's it patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to give us a few quid um throw some dosh and uh, i'm gonna leave you with a track from a band called echo who have a new ep out on the 13th of september uh we had these play one of the future proof gigs uh last earlier this year yeah earlier this year and they were great this is a song from them called cabin and that's it from us thank you very much bye bye
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.